You are listening to Life Stories with me, Natalie Miller-Snell. Throughout this series, you'll hear honest conversations with inspiring people. And I am so super excited and so very grateful for my guests who have been incredibly candid about their journeys. So sit back and prepare to be inspired. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm joined by a former teacher who is now a celebrated artist. She creates oil paintings inspired by nature, combining naturalism with expressive colour. From bespoke pieces to limited prints, her work is a reflection of the world she sees around her. Please put your hands together for the absolutely wonderful Louise Luton. <laughs> Hi, Natalie. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Yeah. Sitting here in my studio, surrounded by paintings, and it's all going well. Well, this is it. For everyone listening, they're not going to get... Well, they won't see what I see, and I might do a screenshot in a moment. The beautiful art that you've got behind you, the lion, the gorilla, the face, the uh, kind of abstract um, uh, pieces of colour. That's there. my palette. Oh, is it? Oh, there <laughs> yeah, you go. Yeah, palette. Is it? <laughs> so what? Wow, I love that. <laughs> it looks so beautiful and colourful. And this is what you surround yourself in every day, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm really lucky that the studio is separate from the house. I'm in the garden. Actually, I wonder if I can swizzle around. Da, 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 da. So that's my view. Oh, is that... fantastic. I know. Oh, wow. So, um, so I'm really lucky that I can... My commute is great now. It's just down the garden path. It's a really stress-free commute. But I still think it's important when you're, as people now know from COVID, working from home is another challenge. The commute is lovely, but actually there are other challenges that happen working from home. And for me, being in the studio is really important that I close the back door and I walk into the studio and I'm working. And it also helps me going off and having a break as well, where you think, right, I am physically going to leave the studio and go and make myself a cup of tea. And on a day like today, that then involves drinking it in the garden. But in the wintertime, it's just I need to step away from the canvas. So I think um, I think a lot of people will relate to the fact that you need your working space and it has to be separate and you have to close the door on it because otherwise you're never going to have any boundaries between your work and your your home life so it doesn't matter whether it's a spare room or even whether it's the corner of a room there's a there's a delineated space but I'm very lucky that I've got I've got a, a space in the back garden that's wonderful to hear you say that and you're so very right and in fact I read a um, Harvard Business Review a few weeks back now where that they'd carried out a survey and research on several um, on hundreds of people across the globe in terms of the uh, the impact of well-being on their well-being throughout COVID and one of the big things that came out was burnout because of lack of boundaries mm -hmm. but interestingly that the percentage it was 85 to 89 percent people said that their well-being had been affected because they were mm -hmm. working too long there were no boundaries being at home so your point is really valid to be able to have that space very fortunately I am too shut the door but then walk yeah. out and actually almost more frequently because you're not got a human inter interaction to you know get out and see you know go and chat to the birds or whatever that might be yeah yeah <laughs> so, so, yeah. yeah so for yeah. everyone listening Louise a little bit about you I mentioned you're a former teacher 
you moved into artistry and being an artist and there's a journey behind that for you in terms of how and why and you know adversities perhaps um overcome in the process share a little bit about yourself <laughs> tell everyone tell everyone everything well what, what you want to that is well when i went into teaching really young i went almost straight away out of university so after i graduated i graduated in 92 which was a very similar year to last year not with covid but in terms of graduate recruitment was very low and so there'd always been this plan of um maybe i'd go and be a set designer in the bbc or maybe i was up in london so maybe i'd go and do some theater work there's no money in theater work but everyone loves it you know people that work in theater are dedicated to it they know they're not going to be rich but they have they have a lifestyle choice and so it was just kind of oh well, that's what i'll do then and i was being trained as a muralist i did a big stained glass window for a hospital as part of my degree show it was all everything was fine then nobody was recruiting anywhere so i came home and then everyone was saying to me, you need to be a teacher. I think probably just because I like talking. And <laughs> I think that people thought you'd be a good teacher. You like talking a lot. And, um, and I went back to my old school and just said, can I come in for a couple of weeks? Because there's no point in me going off and doing a PGCE, Postgraduate Certificate of Education. There's no point in me doing that if actually I hate children and I'm rubbish at it. So I went back to my old school and I luckily got on really well with my old art teacher and we had a great time. And he said, yeah, oh, let's employ you. You know, I need you here for another couple of terms on really low salary. They had no, the schools have got no money, um, but that was fine. And I loved it. Applied to, to, my, to do my PGC in Exeter, which I also loved. Everything went well. Um, yeah, really, just really enjoyed it, really loved teaching. And so went straight in. So I was sort of teaching at 22, 23. Um, I was a head of department at 25. I was head of year at 26 wow. of six formers. So it's ridiculous. I felt like I was only two years older than them. <laughs> years older. Wasn't. I was, what, eight years older than them. But that <laughs> really is very much. Um, so I, yeah, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved teaching. But... And here's the biggie. I was burning myself out. I was a teacher for 20 years, so it didn't happen overnight. Um, but as we mentioned earlier, those aforementioned boundaries, I didn't have boundaries. And the introduction of email into teaching was one of the worst things that ever happened because there were people sending emails out at midnight. And then you almost get competitive of, well, maybe I should be, maybe I, I have to be seen to be working at midnight. Um, and people work really hard. I think, I, th I hope that certainly that parents now realise that teachers don't finish at three. <laughs> it's a hard <laughs> job. Oh, um, we'll come on it, to that, but yes. But it is a really hard job. Um, but there were so many things that changed. So partly I had worked my way towards the top. I wasn't a head or a deputy head, but I was, uh, I was very close to that. And there were sort of about five or six of us in my school that were sort of a step down from the senior management team. Um, and we were working incredibly hard, but still had a lot of teaching on our plate. And it just started being about spreadsheets and target grades and predicted target grades and estimated target grades. And just it was turning into a different job. In addition, the nicest part of my job was probably I was sort of in charge of the newly qualified teachers who were amazing and dedicated. And I spent more of my time telling them to slow down rather than telling them if you've got to step up to the plate you're a rubbish teacher it was the opposite it was it was you're you're gonna I'm feeling burnt out after 20 years you're gonna burn yourself out after two you've got to stop this but that in turn then had its stresses and 
then the, this was coupled with, so this was, when did I leave? I left in 2014. So sort of in the early 210s, uh, the arts were definitely being sidelined and I think still are. Mm. So there was that idea that the arts are an optional extra. Um, music's quite nice, but that's quite middle class and, and people can do that outside of school. Um, dance and drama, no, that's ridiculous. That's for stupid people and art somewhere in between the two of them. And I felt like that was completely missing the point of the arts, completely mm. and utterly. And this idea that they were easy subjects or soft subjects or pointless subjects. Whereas I kind of, I understand that there was a big thing of that employers perhaps wouldn't be over the moon about employing you if you only had two GCSEs and one of them was PE and one of them was art. I get that. But I was never suggesting that. What I found difficult was that very able children were encouraged not to do the arts wow. or, cer or certainly not to do more than one. So oh. that, was, that was the thing. So you would either do music or dance or drama or art. Am I missing one? Or PE. Um, and even though those were the very kids who needed that in their life because they were doing triple science, they were doing two languages, they were doing history, they were doing geography, and of course, you're Eng both Englishes and maths. So, so there was a lot of things happening. One was I was very stressed because I was working too hard, which I think was very common for a lot of teachers. Another was because I was a creative teacher, I was feeling like I wasn't aligned with whatever the government plans were this wasn't peculiar to my school this was this was whatever was happening yeah. and then in addition to that I wasn't feeling aligned with education in terms of everything was about target grades and what was measurable rather than uh, what about the kids yeah and I think again this is this is really coming to the fore even though I haven't been in education through all of the COVID stuff but I think there are a lot of parents now that have perhaps shifted what they want for their children that yes of course we want them to get those exams we want them to do the best they can but actually what do I really want for my kids for them to be happy for them to be mentally well and stable and able yeah. to cope with this world and all of a sudden that grade nine in maths has suddenly become far less important than it used to be and and I think that was where I was several years ago seven years ago of kind of I think we're missing the point of of what we can do with education and what, what the arts do for children of that. I know I was the high point in the day for some people. And if you took that away from them, they no longer had a, had a reason to come to school. So it wasn't, Oh, they're just missing out on their two hours of drama a week, which, and that was if they were doing GCSE, if they were doing before they took their GCSEs, the arts were, were like less than an hour a week. So so I, I, I was becoming aware that there is more to the arts than just I'm learning how to draw, or I'm learning how to dance, or I'm learning how to act, that there's a lot of problem solving in arts. And, you know, like, we, like before we came on air, when I said sometimes paintings are a battleground and sometimes they just come easily, actually kids learn such a lot from that battleground. Yeah. And if they start getting that confidence to problem solve in art it comes along in maths. Suddenly maths doesn't feel as challenging, even though they've got nothing to do with each other. It's got everything to do with the child's psyche of how they start approaching their lessons. And I was, I felt so, you can hear it now. I can voice. hear, I felt I can hear so it. passionately about yeah. it and it was fading. And I'm hoping that it will come back. I'm hoping, you know, lots of, the world has changed from COVID, but I'm hoping that now I think, 
as a nation, we are understanding mental health more. And as a nation, we are understanding educating our children more. And kind of what is the point yeah. of going to school? And we're now realising, oh, God, there are so many skills that are happening in school. It's not just the curriculum. There's so much stuff that teachers are giving our children. And even just the ability to sit and listen to, to somebody for a bit. That's a skill. And it, and it has to be honed. And actually that happens in schools with good teachers in any subject. And our kids are missing it. They're missing it desperately. So, um, so yeah, there was, there was a lot of stress. And I, had, I was very bad at my own boundaries. I was, to my newly qualified teachers, I was do as I say, don't do as I do. I was very bad at stopping and and in the end yeah I was burnt out I mean I think I think we possibly would have called it a breakdown of you know 20 years ago I don't think yeah. it was a breakdown um but I couldn't I couldn't carry on yeah it became apparent that there was just too much in my little head mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's, there's so, so much to talk about. From <laughs> there's so there's much. So much. There's your personal journey. There's the absolutely incredible passion you have about art, but also the influence on children, which I definitely want us to come back to. I mean, I wrote down when you were talking, there's expression in art, whatever that looks like and how that enables us to then process, to your point, perhaps even more you know mathematical um, ideas or anything else that's considered more technical perhaps the idea of art and just allowing that freedom in your mind even if you're just doing line drawings or whatever yeah. it's beautiful to let that creativity come through so we'll definitely come back to that okay. but I wanted this so yeah there's so much to talk about <laughs> I want to talk a bit more about you uh, in terms of um, or if you're willing to share what did that look like then when you came out? Because I look behind you and there's beautiful art. So you're in a different place now. What kind of happened and how did you overcome that adversity or make the change? And then we'll revert back into the benefits of art, if you like. Yeah, I think the change came. Um, there's that phrase isn't there of, of we don't move forward until the pain of staying where we are is going to be worse than the pain of moving on. Uh, yeah. And sadly, I'd got to that point. I couldn't, uh, it was too painful. Um, and, and I think, you know, stupid things like, you know, my husband saying, come on, let's, let's go out for a meal. And me going, I can't, I can't, I can't. I've got all this to do. And him going, it's Saturday. Yes, you can. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, so it was partly that. And it was partly, um, there are a lot of tears. And I think quite a lot of people, I bet there are plenty of nurses that have driven home in tears a lot the past year. Yeah. But the difficult, the difference was I was driving to work in tears and that's that's not right and and it had become right it would it had become normal and nobody had normalized that for me it was me I had normalized that mm. so I look back on it and think yeah okay yeah it kind of was my fault I kind of I could have behaved differently I could have have got myself out of it so when I eventually resigned and that was painful and and I remember in the summer of 2014, we were at a festival, only a little festival, and uh, and somebody saying, "What's it like now you've left teaching?" I said, "I still don't know because it's summer holidays. It's August. I've oh, no of idea. Course, there's no difference. Yeah, okay. It's, I've no idea." And on the genuinely on the first of September 2014, I sat in my studio and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because I wasn't back at work. So it wasn't, 
it wasn't suddenly this magical relief it was kind of oh what have I done and it and it wasn't even about the money because we had had a long conversation I was obviously on quite a good salary by then I've been teaching 20 years I was quite high up in the school it was quite a big salary to let go of um or relatively speaking um and it wasn't even about that because we I'd planned and we'd saved and we'd we you know we hadn't done a holiday abroad and things like that so we had we had a bit of a buffer zone um so it wasn't oh my god what have I done I've ruined our life it was just I am a teacher and realizing my whole identity was caught up with being a teacher and suddenly that I wasn't that wasn't who I was and I think for quite a few years I didn't say I was an artist I said I used to be a teacher and now I'm working on and now that seems really weird because I don't even think about it. If people say, what do you do for a living? I'm an artist. And they go, no, but what do you do for a living? Yep, I'm an artist. I am my living up being an artist. And I'm really proud of it. Whereas it was almost, I was, a, I was apologetic for it. I felt, yeah, I felt like I was being, being unfaithful to my profession, right. sort of how dare I leave and leave my friends there in this really tough environment. So, so it was very odd. And I think I thought I was still going to earn my living from teaching. So I did quite a lot of workshops in um, in a local museum. Uh, they happened to have a constable exhibition going on. This is in Salisbury. And so I was doing quite, and as soon as the local schools found out there was a teacher doing the workshops, I was like, right, let's get them in yeah. there. And it was great because I really was teaching them. I wasn't kind of just faffing around. So, but oh. that was really good. And it was, it it meant there was a, it wasn't a steady income, but there was an income coming in. And I was doing some consultancy in school. So I was going into schools, training people how to use a particular type of software that helps teachers um, uh, do assessments on themselves. Gotcha. Um, you know, your sort of appraisal and stuff. Um, so there were lots of different things in the first couple of years. I think about it and think the way I earn my living right now, this year or in this past year of COVID, it doesn't resemble what was happening in the first two years of being self-employed. So nothing had prepared me for your, your work will emerge and change and that will ebb and flow in a different way. I'd had 20 years of being run by a bell. I was Pavlov's dog. <laughs> I, think, I think for the first lunch. Six, it really was the first, I kid you not, the first six months in the studio, I had a coffee break at break time at school. I had my lunch at lunchtime at school because that's what I'd done for 20 years. Why on yeah. earth? My body didn't work in a different way. It took a long time to go, hey, you know what? We're not hungry. Maybe we'll have lunch later. I didn't do it. It was crazy. I was so, I was so rigid in my, in how I was working. And now that seems really peculiar, but it. It takes a while, doesn't it? It takes yeah. a while to move into a different way of working. I think something you said, which I found quite profound, actually, and, and, and resonated a great deal when that that kind of junk or that that point in time where you've moved from being a teacher into an artist, but you haven't quite accepted it yourself yet. And that the loss of sense is a loss of self, rather, you, you know, yeah. identify, you know, our own, how we identify with ourselves and who we believe we are. And you, I loved how you use the expression. I'm working on becoming an artist because mm. actually I use that a great deal in uh, coaching with um, folk, you know, clients and whatnot. When, when we struggle to see ourselves in a particular situation, even though we're totally capable and that's what we're doing, 
the, it's the, um, the affirmation, isn't it? It's mm. like bridging language rather than saying, I am an artist. I'm becoming an artist, but you are an artist because I can see mm. it behind you. I mean, you are like, it's incredible. So, I mean, that really resonated with me and that kind of whole loss of identity when you move from one to another. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Um, I will ask for some tips and kind of a, a, advice from you in a bit for anyone who's, I imagine this might resonate with a lot of people. COVID's got us thinking, hasn't it? In terms of where we're spending our time, how we're spending our time and what we want to do. Um, but just reflecting a bit more on art and how that helps. I mean, you've mentioned already children first off mentally grow, develop, whether or not you're super skilled at it or just using it as an outlet. But then also for you, what, it, what does it do for one's mental well-being? Just being able to be creative. I think that for me, it is absolutely part of me. I cannot... I can't exist without creating something, literally. And that's, that might sound really pretentious to some people, but towards the end of my time as a teacher, that's what was destroying me. Of, of It could have been that it was the long hours, maybe. It could have been the stress. It could have been all the spreadsheets and the grades. Or it was because I was so busy doing all of those things that my creativity had been lost. So I used to, when I... When I began teaching and I had a very full timetable and wasn't a senior leader, I drew in every single art lesson that I did because I can't imagine teaching art and not doing a demonstration. Right. And in drama, I would put on ridiculous acts. I'd do different accents every time I took the register. And, the, you know, the, and the kids would 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 challenge me. Like, right, what, what am I doing the register in today? Spanish, miss. I don't speak Spanish. Go on, do it again. <laughs> you know, it's, because it woke them up and it kind of, it started things on my terms, but but that was still creativity. So, so my drama lessons were really creative. My art lessons were really creative. And as I started being sort of pushed and pushed and pushed and being more and more stressed, that creativity in my own lessons was falling away. And then I was too exhausted at the weekends to then work on my own artwork. So it's that kind of idea of, you know, when we just try to force ourselves through the week and we get to Friday and we open the bottle of wine and we're asleep on the sofa at 7.30 and you think, God, I've been up till midnight every night this, every night this week, marking or whatever. And now I've got my night where I can actually relax. What have I done with that? I've just fallen asleep because I'm exhausted. Yeah. That's not a way to live. That's not. I don't think that's good for us. And it's not just about the wine that it isn't good for us. It's actually just about, it's the exhaustion that isn't good for us. Um, and opening the glass of wine because you're having a really lovely meal and you're really present and you're really happy, that kind of alcohol is not that dangerous. In fact, I think it's actually rather healthy. Yeah. I've got to be careful if the doctor's listening. But I really do. I think alcohol, I really do. I think alcohol in moderation is actually fine when you're being social and you're being happy it's just good for us yeah. when it's out of exhaustion you know sorrow floats you ain't never going to drown it so it, it, I think I think there was too much of that happening and that was removing my creativity and yeah it was just exhaustion work exhaustion work exhaustion and that's not creative so so for me I think it's essential and then there's another factor that I share my life with a scientist and and 
in school I always got on very well with the science department they were, they were, they were my favorite people I really did I scientists <laughs> scientists are great they're all mad um but but I think that's the thing is that people have that we have these little boxes of artists are mad and scientists are really normal and square and actually I'm very square as artists go um but the best scientists the scientists that have created the COVID vaccine were really creative they were really clever and creative in addition to very careful methodology and I feel the same about art of that that yes there's creativity and when the magic happens but actually there's methodology there is a way of working and there is consistency is more important than intensity and just continually working at something along with the creativity and it's that balance so for me in terms of where does creativity fit in my life a it's essential but b i think it's i think it's in everyone creativity isn't about being able to to draw a face that looks like a face creativity is a way of thinking it's a way of solving a problem it's it's a way of of putting a crazy cushion on your sofa that nobody else thought would go and they go oh that's lifted the room that's creativity um and when you take it away from us I think it hurts us I genuinely think it hurts hurts our soul yes it makes us yes, bored yes 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 if I had pom-poms I would be rah rah yeah. now like to- I totally agree with you I mean, even if I reflect on a personal level, and I'm certainly advocating um, with clients and anybody I speak with now to take time to find creative, be that in journaling, wild writing, doodling, drawing something or other, just, but to your point, consistency. Mm. When we apply it in a consistent way, it rewires our brain. So we start seeing things differently. We bring in the creative thought, we rewire that pattern, we bring in the positive, and we're able to see things um, in, in a slightly more creative, fun, reflective manner. I've been, I mean, I've been journaling for years, but this year particularly, I'm, I'm on a program and as a, a, a weekly routine, I'm creatively now, you know, I, I'm not comparing myself here when I say this, I'm stating in fact, I'm no artist. I mean, I look at what you's behind you. It's incredible. That's not where I'm going with it. And I'm perfectly uh, happy with that. I'm not, you know, I'm not comparing, but what I do do is magic to me. And it helps that process. So I, I mean, certainly if anyone is listening to you and certainly what I would advocate, it's just about taking the time to do it. Going back yeah. to earlier with the boundaries, going out in the garden, having your tea, finding that me time and just allowing yourself to be in whatever it looks like. Mm-hmm. I think when people, people have been talking, meditation's coming up a lot, mindfulness coming up a lot. Um, but actually, you know what? A couple of generations ago, they had all of that. They just didn't call it meditation. They didn't sit cross-legged going on. But my my granddad and my dad, my dad's passed away now, but my dad used to, he could make anything. He was, he, he was a coalman most of his life, but he ran his own business, but he could tune engines. He could, he, he's the kind of person that when mum said, I think we should build an extension, he went to night school and learned how to bricklay because he built it. I mean, <laughs> the guy was... Incredible, brilliant. he was brilliant. But he would occasionally you'd you'd find him just sitting in the middle of the garden in his overalls, covered in whatever, covered in oil mainly because it's always always about racing. But and he would he do that Winnie the Pooh quote of sometimes I sits and thinks, other times I just sits. And he would solve his problems just by sitting and doing nothing because his brain is then just filtering it around. And I think when people have talked about 
not being able to get to sleep. And I was definitely in the tail end of my teaching career. I was becoming a terrible insomniac, which in turn makes whatever you are going through a bazillion times worse. You want to see a mad person. It's somebody that's only had two hours sleep. And the reason was because I was never giving my brain enough chance to be bored. And so actually when people talk about going for a walk, yes, of course, that's very good and listening to the birds, but going for a walk without your phone is so powerful because you're just letting your brain chill the heck out and calm down. And then the problems can be solved without you even realizing it. Um, my, my husband says he gets his best thinking done in the bath. So like most people these days, he hops up, has a two minute shower in the morning and that's how he starts his day. But on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening after working in the garden or whatever, we'll have a long bath and then he'll emerge going, I've worked out, I'm going to build that shed. And it's just because he's sitting there, letting it, just letting it brew, working it out. And it's a slow process. And I think we have completely lost our ability to allow that. We've lost, even we go to the dentist waiting room, we're on our phone straight away. Yeah. We don't just sit. We don't just sit and, and be bored for a minute. Um, and I think that downtime for our brain is actually really creative. And we don't, we're force feeding it the whole time. Um, and that we, and I've really noticed it. If I'm stupid enough to have my phone next to me on the sofa while I'm watching TV, the second the adverts come on, you pick you up pick your phone. It up. Yeah. And you go, well, what am I expecting? What, another <laughs> like on Instagram? What am I, why have I just picked that up? And it's because I'm bored because the adverts are on. Wow. So I'm not allowing my brain to be bored even for 90 seconds. That's how bad it is. And so I'm definitely trying to, that's another boundary of, 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 being an artist, obviously, stuff is on Instagram the whole time. So I do need to be on social media and have my phone and stuff. But I am trying to learn those boundaries and and recapture that of kind of, right, are we working now? It's seven o'clock in the evening. We can do any more work? No. Do we need to reply to any more emails? No. Then we put the phone over here and it's and we don't need it anymore. And that takes real strength. It's really hard. But it's so good for us when we do. It's so good for us. You've actually inspired me. I'm going to do that because I often go for a walk. I mean, in the mornings, and I I'm, I tend to oscillate, uh, maybe clubhouse or um, podcast. But actually, I'm going to use one of the moments to just be on my own mm. and walk. Mm. I'm going to yeah, because I don't mm. I don't actually often do that. You've inspired me, Louise. It's we did well. We did this on um, my my husband's very good at these boundaries, but that's because he describes himself as a troglodyte, i.e., a cave dweller. <laughs> <laughs> he just doesn't, he's a scientist and he doesn't like tech. No, but it's because he spends his life on a screen now. So he's not say, in the yeah. labs. He's doing so much work on the screen. He's he's sort of in charge of communications of his company and stuff. But um, so he has no difficulty at all in closing the phone and off I go. That's it. And like at lunchtime today, he will, once we've had lunch, probably have lunch in the garden. He'll then take it off for a walk. And he will not take his phone with him because that's going to, it'll only be 20 minutes, but that will be no, the, the email can wait. It, it can, it can just wait. And we went for a walk on um, Sunday, uh, fairly near our home at Groveley Woods, which the bluebells are about to ping. They're going to, I don't know. I think we'll go back again this Sunday, just to see if the bluebells have popped. 
but I kind of accidentally on purpose left my phone at home and I hardly ever do that. Just, just for a much, I think maybe that's a woman thing. If we take our phones out, if we're on our own, maybe. Yeah. And you no, think, yeah, well, yeah. I didn't used to. I yeah. lived without a mobile phone for years. What? <laughs> that's a rubbish excuse. But anyway, I left it at home, took my little, I've got a tiny little bag that I can fit my sketchbook in and my, my pocket paint palettes and stuff and said, right, I'm going to be sketching. And we walked farther than we normally would. We stopped more times because I was, I, w- I wanted to sketch and then Phil would toot off and go and have a wander and then come back and go, you know, I'm doing another one, leave me alone. <laughs> and, and, but we, and we were there for far longer. And I know it's because neither of us had our phones. It suddenly took that, oh, I must reply to this. I must check this. Oh, let's do a selfie for Facebook. All of yeah, that just I was went. Gonna, that's it, yeah. Put it it put went it out the yeah. window. And actually he did have his camera with him, but he had a really decent camera with him. So he was really playing and exploring and mucking about while I was, I was sketching. And I think that's another thing I do as an artist is it's really powerful to, to go out without your camera because then you have to sketch it. You, you absolutely have to. There is no alternative. You have to capture it in your own way. So we, so we just had had a walk that you just think, well, that's you know, my parents wouldn't that it wouldn't even even enter their head to go for a walk with a mobile phone. Yeah. So we've again, that's a thing that we need to recapture because actually our grandparents had it right when they went for a walk. They went for a walk. And they listened to the birds and they looked at the bluebells and then it's they came being home. It's present, isn't it, as well? Yeah. And actually paying, paying close attention to what you see and marvelling in its beauty. Yeah. And, the, and, and you know, the evolution of the world and everything you see around and then how that affects your psyche in terms of it relaxes you so much to begin with. Yeah. You know, as a, but then also your mind clears and you're able to, you know, that beautiful divine insights, whatever you want to call it, all comes through and you get as your husband does, the thoughts, oh, I, I can fix that now. I know what to do yeah, there. Yeah. I can change that around. Yeah. 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 And I think that's all of that. That's a form of creativity, but it's allowing your, it's giving your brain the space. And I think, yeah, this time last year when lockdown really was lockdown and there was no traffic on the road. And as we, particularly as we started moving into May and the, and, and the birds tweeting was just, the Amazing. noise was phenomenal. Yeah. And and I live, even though I've just shown you my view, we we joke about the fact that our house is in the in the town and our garden's in the countryside. <laughs> but I'm on a because uh, it is a long garden, but I'm on a main road coming into Salisbury. I'm on a busy road yeah. and it's towards one of the industrial estates. So we have big trucks that go by. Um, but you go halfway down our garden, you can't hear anything. But we really noticed it of when you were out for a walk and there was no traffic of all we were doing was listening to birds. And the problem is that we've we've already lost that. Now that we're getting, we're moving back into normal, whatever that is, we're beginning to lose that. And I think like when, when I went out on Friday evening with, with friends, um, the thing that that really worried me was that everywhere you had to have your app you had to log in yeah. with your nhs app but also we were ordering through an app thank goodness there was there was a person there that was younger than the rest of us he was in charge because we all went what i'm not doing it why can't i go to the bar and talk and to someone money? yeah so you couldn't talk to anyone and you couldn't use money <laughs> um but it made me really sad because i thought that's the worst thing of yeah. that we're that and I understand why we've had to 
to tech everything so that we don't have physical contact. We're not touching money and all of that. But it made me sad. We were actually really strict with ourselves with the phones away when we were then, then sitting down enjoying our drinks. We were chatting. We, but again, I think that's that's what old people do. <laughs> Well, look, do you know, I'm with you on that, actually. And I've thought, fingers crossed, once we get to the other side of whatever this looks like, I'm, I imagine we've still got a few months ahead of us of, you know, uncertainty to a degree to what happens. Mm. I, I really, I have full hope that we go back to how we were. We've got to find a middle ground somewhere where we can, you know, talk to people, see each other, be next to each other, and not worry about that kind of thing. Um, but you are right, because it is more appy. Yeah. 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 Scan this, scan that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Don't touch. Yeah. yeah. It's quite yeah. amazing. Oh, Louise, honestly, this you're, you're thrilling me. This is your, your magic. You're exactly what I needed this morning, actually. I, oh, I'll, I'll put that, honestly, truly, truly. <laughs> um, where can everybody see your beautiful art? How do they, you know, you know, perhaps purchase something or get in contact with you? Yeah, so my website is, it's really easy. It's my name with art. So it's www.louiselutonart, all one word, dot com. Um, but I'm in, I've got prints. I work with the publishers, so I've got prints all over the place. So I don't even know where they all are. Oh, wow. Um, so I've got, I've got quite a few customers now in Scotland and further up north, and I'm, I'm right in the south of England. Um, because the publishers supply those galleries so people might have seen particularly I've got sort of quite a lot of stags and cows and things and I'm now in John Lewis I know get me I did see <laughs> that I was gonna say that's pretty marvelous that what how did you celebrate that that's incredible that happened kind of it was there's partly a bit of me that wants to go played for and got and the other half goes yeah, it's all it's all chance isn't it um so yeah I worked with this publishers who who found me through a gallery and said we want to work with you and we want to have a stag and we want to have a cow and this was a couple of years ago when did I start working with them mm, 2018 2019 anyway um and and it's yeah it's gone really well and then I found out that they were amongst the suppliers of John Lewis. And I went, you need to get me in there. And they went, not a chance. <laughs> they didn't say not a chance, but they're kind of, yeah, it's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I then I met one of the buyers for John Lewis at the spring fair at the NEC. I was about to say last year. Last year didn't happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> I go to do that as no, well. No, it did. It did happen actually. No, Beginning it did, of it was last year because it was it was February of last year. Oh, it the, okay. It was the big spring fair at the NEC. It was the first of February, and I met one of the John Lewis buyers, and she was talking about particular colours, particular teals, and things that they were doing, and so I deliberately came home and painted a stag in their colour palette absolutely deliberately and then yeah they took it <laughs> so that's so, not a by chance and that is seizing the ball by the horns was, that is running was, but yeah. it was it was a bit naughty because it was kind of can I can I risk this can I do it um so they've now got quite a few bits and bobs of mine um but I'm working on or I have been working on four pieces for the just little ones because they're now kind of so much of John Lewis has moved online. So they're now looking at producing far more, but smaller pieces that rather than the big statement pieces, which I really like doing. Um, so that's how the John Lewis came about was partly the publishers and partly meeting them at the spring fair and going, right, I'm going to do, I'm going to do that. Um, uh, and then, you know, the, since the spring fair, yeah, that was my last event. 
So, so everything got cancelled. And so then working out how do you get things online? So yes, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook and I've got my own website. Um, but it's, it's a real combination of factors that are, that, that are happening at the moment. And that was my phone. Um, um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's easy to see my work online. It's getting harder to see it in real life because there are fewer events. Gotcha. Oh, again, fingers crossed we get yeah. back to a bit of normality soonish. Yeah. Louis, your, your energy is infectious. Your smile is radiant. <laughs> I've loved every single minute of it. Honestly, every Thank single you. minute. For anyone who's listened to this, or for everyone that's listened for that matter, actually, who really who kind of resonates with what you're saying or can see part of something in their own life, you know, perhaps they're stuck in a situation, they've got burnout, um, you know, things aren't going right. What bit of advice would you say to somebody having lived through, you know, that sort of experience to perhaps reflect and make a decision to help them move forward? Well, as you were even saying that question, I was, I was going to go, don't wait until you're broken. And then I thought, hang on a minute, you're not broken. So yes. if you're sitting here going, I already am broken. I absolutely remember saying that to my dad in tears of going, I think I'm broken. I can't, I can't even imagine leaving teaching because I can't, I'm not capable now of starting my own business when I, I've left it too long. He said, you're not broken. You're just a little bit cracked and we've just got to mend the crack and then we're going to move on. So, so however you're feeling, you're not broken. So get some help, I think, if you're if you are feeling that that I'm sort of just overwhelmed by everything. Um, you can't know everything. So there is no possible way seven years ago I could have planned for the success that I have and the way that I'm earning money. The revenue streams that I have now are not things that I planned seven years ago, but I've continued to work. So I think don't worry if you're not sure how you're going to get there. Because if you're prepared to work and if you're prepared to learn and there's loads and loads of stuff online that's free, um, but there are loads of books, go and buy a good old fashioned book for $9.99. Go and and read that for a starting point. But um, if you're prepared to learn and prepared to work hard, you definitely can earn money in a creative industry, but you just might not know how. And I think I was scared that I didn't have a, an overarching plan. I had a few ideas, but I, I was frightened I didn't know enough. I'd never filled in a tax return. I'd been pay AYE my entire life. So there were tiny little things. And that is a tiny little thing if you've never filled in a tax return. But it feels it's not, massive, doesn't it? It feels yeah. massive when you've never done it. But when you have done it, you get, well, just, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, or get an accountant, a couple of hundred quid, they fill it in for you. For it's you. really yeah. not hard. Yeah. If the, you know, it's only the people earning massive bucks that accountants are expensive for. They're, they're really inexpensive if, you're, if you've just got a small business and you're going to be paying too much tax. So I think, yeah, don't worry if you're broken, get some help. Don't worry if you don't know how it's going to pan out because those problems will find their own solutions you can't you can't do everything now but you can do something now and just just take that little first step and it is possible I I earn a good living now and I didn't think that was possible 
sound advice, <laughs> speaking to my soul. I love it. Just reflecting back, I, I absolutely adore what you said about you're not broken. We, we, we do. I can speak for myself and I know, you know, clients and whatnot I've spoken to and just generally people at the moment. You can feel broken. You can feel yeah. not whole, but we are. It's yeah. just allowing ourselves a little bit of kindness, actually reaching out to people the connection the, again the help that you mentioned certainly 2020 for me the one overriding thing that jumped out was connect with people we're a tribal species at heart and we need each other we need to bounce mm -hmm. ideas and we need to feel that connection um and also to your point you have a vision but the path might just go off an a road now and again mm -hmm. it might not be straight down the motorway and that's okay because mm -hmm. it's that's exciting just go with it and you know there's a great thing with um, Neil Gaiman wrote about this in in his book Art Matters, and he talks about do the next step that gets you. If if you if so, if my goal of being a full time proper paid up artist, that's my big mountain over there in the distance, and do a job that gets you closer to the mountain, which also means sometimes you leave that job behind, and that made sense of teaching being an art teacher when I was 22 was getting me way closer to the mountain. But there came a point when actually, you know what? I've found another pathway and this is going to get me closer to the mountain. So I've, I've got to leave that over here now. And so that's why the path can change because whatever's getting you closer to the mountain is the right thing for you to do right now. And in two years time, there might be a different thing that gets you closer to the mountain, whatever your mountain is. And, and I, think, I think musicians are better at this than the rest of us because it's such a honed skill and they are better at getting closer to their mountain i think and i think it's a bit it's maybe more unclear for artists probably more unclear for dancers as well but um yeah just just do whatever gets you a little bit closer to the mountain don't worry if you can't get up there straight away oh i love it and you're enough <laughs> you are enough as well you're where you're meant to be and you'll move forward. Oh, yeah. Louise, Louise, thank you. I, a virtual hug. My pleasure. Hug. My pleasure. This has been pleasure. absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on. I've absolutely loved it. I've loved it too. Thank you so much. And thanks everyone for listening. Take care. Look after yourself. Keep well. You have been listening to Life Stories with me, Natalie Miller-Snell. For all information related to my guests, please check the show notes. And if you wish to continue the conversation with us, please hashtag Life Stories on all social channels. If you enjoyed this show, please pop over to seizetheday.simplecast.com where you'll find my other shows. If you're interested to know any more about coaching, please visit me at nmscoaching.co.uk where you'll also find details of the latest workshops I am running. Thank you so much for listening. 